The following podcast is sponsored by you. If you'd like to donate to help us continue providing the best VCU men's basketball podcast out there, please use the link in the show notes for this episode. Proceeds from your donations will be used to pay for hosting fees, which are the most expensive ongoing part of providing this show. Thank you in advance, and go Rams! Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. In this special off-season edition, host George Templeton tackles the coaching changes that have unexpectedly hit our program. We've been on a ride for a long time, and this ride stops here, Mom, at VCU. That's what Mike Rhodes said six years ago when he was introduced head coach at VCU. Guess it doesn't always turn out that way, but here we are. And we are going through it again as VCU fans. And how interesting, you know, when Mike Rhodes was hired after Will Wade left, VCU was out without a coach for about 11 hours. Well, if we take it from when Ed McLaughlin and the VCU Hoops basketball account put out the statement thanking Mike Rhodes for his contributions, that was at 4.19 p.m., the tweet announcing Ryan Odom becoming the new head coach at VCU was 8.04 p.m. So not even four hours between those two tweets do we have a new coach. So Ed McLaughlin has acted decisively. And some folks are upset with Coach Rhodes because of what he said at that introductory press, press conference that we played at the top and then him leaving. And that certainly is understandable. But when this happened, it called to mind – for me, Oliver Purnell, who was at Clemson, having been very successful at Radford, Old Dominion, Dayton, and now at Clemson. His job was not in any particular jeopardy. He was very happy where he was, and he was winning with Clemson in the ACC and doing well. And DePaul University, out of the Big East, approached him, said, we want you to be our head basketball coach. And uh, and. So the story goes, Coach Purnell basically said, okay, I'll do it. And he put out what would probably have been considered an outrageous salary figure at the time, thinking there's no way in the world DePaul would give him that kind of money to come coach them. And then DePaul said, we'll give you that money. And he said, well, I guess I got to come go and be their coach. And he left Clemson to go to DePaul. It did not go well for him in five years. They were not, I don't think they had one season where they had more wins than losses. And then he was fired, and he hasn't been a head coach since. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen to Mike Rhodes, but I do wonder if Mike Rhodes, when he said those words, really believed it. And even when Penn State contacted him, felt like, well, I'm probably not going to leave. If they contact me and they say, and I give them a number, they probably won't match it, and I'll probably stay here after negotiating a new contract and all that sort of stuff. And I think Penn State probably came up with a number, he said, and he's like, well, I got to do this, plus, of course, you know, he is a Pennsylvania native, so he may have some emotional ties to Penn State and wanted to leave. So that's the Mike Rhodes end of this. What do we say about the Mike Rhodes era? Well, he he took a team that was in a bit of turmoil when Will Wade left, and basically an entire recruiting class disappeared on us. First year was pretty tough. 
VCU was doing well in the first part of the conference schedule and then really slid at the end of the year. Had one of the few losing seasons they've ever had in terms of conference play. They were 8-10 and 10 and got knocked out in the quarterfinal round of the A-10 tournament. But he got VCU up and running real fast. That second season, that turnaround from 8-10 and 10 in the A-10 to 16-2, and two, and could have easily been 17-1 and one that year. And an NCAA tournament bid was pretty stinking remarkable. Pretty darn good from him. And one thing about Mike Rhodes that can be said, whatever your opinion of him is, Mike Rhodes was very good at evaluating talent and very good at getting talent in here. He was a first-class recruiter. For us to have two guys in two drafts get drafted into the NBA, Bones Highland in round one, Vince Williams in round two, is fantastic. And not something you expect at VCU. Remember, you had to go back to Larry Sanders getting drafted after the magical Final Four run, and then you had to go a long way back before that for a VCU player getting drafted in the NBA draft. And Mike Rhodes managed to have that happen two years in a row. That's pretty remarkable. Three NCAA tournament bids, two A-10 regular season championships, and one A-10 tournament title. So pretty darn good there. Didn't have an NCAA tournament win, which is a tough one against him. And I think if I'm going to criticize anything, and I did criticize this a lot, I was never the biggest fan of Mike Rhodes as an in-game tactician. I think there were times where I was certainly frustrated with how he used his timeouts. And, of course, one of my main frustrations was our constant struggles at the foul line, which I thought cost us games, especially big games. And quite often, VCU was that nearly team. Nearly did this, nearly did that, but couldn't quite get there in the end. And that's the interesting thing about this situation. So Mike Rhodes leaves for big money, in the Big Ten, but at a football school where basketball is definitely second fiddle. And if the basketball team's not very good, could even be third or fourth fiddle. Because women's basketball is a pretty big deal at Penn State, or at least it was in the, in, in the past. And hockey's getting to be a big deal at Penn State. So, you know, those are, those are things where if the basketball team is struggling, you can even be further down the pecking order. And, of course, not that I expect Mike Rhodes to hear this, but... If he does, I would just give him the cautionary tales. Jeff Capel was at VCU and left for Oklahoma, a basketball job at a definitely football first school. It didn't go great for him. Anthony Grant was at VCU, had a lot of success. Left for Alabama, a basketball job at a football first school. It didn't go great for him either. And the problem, there's both the the good and the bad of being at a school like that is this. You won't catch as much heat when the basketball team is terrible, because if it is or it's not very good, spring practice rolls around and you become yesterday's news, a bit of an afterthought, including your struggles. But that's also the bad part. If you have had a great and amazing success at one of these types of schools, then everybody celebrates you until spring practice starts. And then you might as well be yesterday's news on the pack page an afterthought. And that to me is the thing I'll never understand is I understand the money and the money for Mike Rhodes is, is huge. The talk, at least in our fan group was seven years, 25 million bucks. That's over three and a half million dollars a year. Mike Rhodes, bank account will thank him 
just as the bank accounts of those other coaches thought, thanked them when they made the move. But is it professionally the right move? I don't ever think it is. Because to be perfectly honest, there's only five schools that are football first schools where I'd want to be a basketball coach, where you have the infrastructure to be super successful and will get the credit and the fame and the attention you deserve if you are. Michigan, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Florida, Texas. Those are the five. Those are the only five schools where football's number one where I'd want to be a basketball coach. And what's interesting, of course, about that is that Micah Shrewsbury, the previous incumbent at Penn State, jumped to Notre Dame after only two years. It's hard to win at Penn State. So I wish Mike Rhodes a lot of luck. That is a very good athletic department. He will have support. He is a top-notch recruiter. There's no reason he can't recruit the kind of talent at Penn State to keep them in the top half or even top third of that conference in the Big Ten, a Big Ten that's been very strong in terms of getting NCAA bids but not as strong in terms of producing in the tournament lately. But there's the interesting thing. So he's going to Penn State, Mike Rhodes, not having been to back-to-back NCAA tournaments with no tournament wins on his resume. And VCU reaches out to Ryan Odom, who went from Maryland, Baltimore County, and went to a completely different part of the country, Utah State. And what does Ryan Odom have? He does have an NCAA tournament win. In fact, he's got one of the most famous NCAA tournament wins ever. As many people that are listening to this podcast will know and remember, Ryan Odom was the coach when 16th seeded Maryland Baltimore County upset number one seed Virginia, the first 16 to beat a one, and could very well have been in the Sweet 16, except, and if you want to nitpick something from that run for UMBC, their offense completely lost its composure in the second half against Kansas State, otherwise they would have won that game, then the first 16 into the Sweet 16, that would have been remarkable. But what I'll go to when I talk about Ryan Odom and why I feel very confident that he's going to do really well at VCU, let's go back to the game before that. Maryland-Baltimore County playing the America East Final at Vermont. You want to talk about a dragon that would be difficult to slay. UMBC hadn't won at Vermont in 23 years. This is a crunch game on the road in a gym they simply just don't win at. Hadn't won there for 23 years. This is the sort of crunch game that I feel like Mike Rhodes has not been able to get VCU over the line when it was really on the line. And we're talking about, you know, in-season tournament games, A-10 tournament games, and the NCAA tournament. Not, he's had a few really good wins in, in the, in the uh, regular season and even in the postseason, Mike Rhodes. But time and again, VCU always would get close but never get there. Well, they went up there and won at Vermont against all the odds, and then you saw what they did against Virginia. So that's the first thing. There is at least one time you can always sit here and say, well, they weren't the nearly team. They went and did it. The other thing is, goes into UMBC, they were 7-25 the year before he got there. First year they win 21 games. They go 21-13. and 13. They end up playing in the, one of the pay-for-play play tournaments, the uh, College Insider Tournament. And then the next year they end up in the NCAAs. So he was able to turn around a tough situation there. And after kind of a middling first season at Utah State, they lost in the first round in the NIT and went 18-16. 26 wins this year. 
tied for second in the Mountain West, gets to the Mountain West final, almost beat San Diego State in that Mountain West final. Yes, that would be the same San Diego State that's going to play in the Final Four on Saturday. So that's the positives with Ryan Odom. It's winning those crunch games. It's being a very good in-game tactician. But here is the big question. Actually, two of them. The first is this. Can he sell himself enough to this current roster to keep the current town here? Because we have a really nice core. There's no question about it. But no one will be surprised if most or all of them leave. And that's where it's going to get real tough. That's where it's going to get real tough. So that's the first thing you would hope that all the great players who we're going to discuss in a little bit will at least give Ryan Odom a chance to try to sell himself to him. The other thing is, whether it's the transfer portal or recruiting kids to matriculate there as matriculate to VCU as freshmen, will he be able to match the talent that Mike Rhodes brought in? Because Mike Rhodes was a top-notch recruiter. No question about it. His strength was talent evaluation and getting it to come and fostering an environment where not only could those players get better, that they loved being part of the team, they loved being part of the school. Whatever you think of Mike Rhodes, good, bad, or indifferent, he fostered a pretty family environment in that program, and he fostered an environment where players did get better. A lot of players got better under him. And so that's where he gets deserves and gets all the flowers that he should get. Mike Rhodes brought in great talent into this into, into VCU. And in some respects, that's why there's the criticism there is, is because has he got it? Did Mike Rhodes get everything out of the, the very good rosters that he had, especially the last few years? I think that's a fair question. So Ryan Odom, that's the challenge. You got to be able to get players like the ones we've had the last three, four years here into this program. Can you get players that end up getting drafted by the NBA like Mike Rhodes has? Because again, two years in a row at a place like VCU, that is an, a fantastic effort. And he, he and his staff deserve a lot of credit for that. The other, but here's the positives about, about Ryan Odom. And this is the big one for me. Looking at Ken Pomeroy's stats this year, Utah State was 27th. I can say with absolute certainty, VCU was never that high in the Rhodes era. And why was Utah State so high? Well, number one, they played a pretty good non-conference schedule. That has been a usual hallmark of VCU, especially under Mike Rhodes. This year was an anomaly in that regard. But in general, uh, VCU's always played a good non-conference schedule. Well, Utah State did this did as well. Non-conference strength of schedule, 84, according to Ken Palm. But it's this. This is the big one for me. Uh, uh, Utah State, 16th in offensive efficiency. And they weren't a slow-playing team either. Their tempo was 111th, which has put you in the top third in the country, and they actually played at a faster pace than VCU did this year. 16th in offensive efficiency. And you think about the Rhodes era, we were not a good offensive team in terms of offensive efficiency at any time. Now, some of that was injuries, you know, and bad luck, and, you know, and just the fact that we were a really good defensive team and we relied on that. And we were really willing to be in rock fights and play ugly basketball if that's what was called for. But we've never had an offense 
like what Ryan Odom had at Utah State this year. Now, of course, defensively, they were not nearly as good as VCU has been in the last few years or this year. Utah State was 70th in defensive efficiency, which, again, in and of itself is not terrible. But compared to what VCU's produced under Mike Rhodes, nowhere near. So that's the big drawback there. What is interesting to me is going to be what we see in the next day or two because, of course, now we're going to find out how many or if any are going to leave this program because, of course, when you've got quality players like what VCU has, the big conferences are going to, be, are going to come knocking and sniffing. That is the nature of the transfer portal. Not many players win player, conference player of the year and defensive player of the year like Ace Baldwin has. So you know the big conferences notice that. And I have, and are certainly kicking the tires. You know the big conferences noticed Jalen Deloach and what a leap he took this year, and they're looking at him. And the same for Jameer Watkins, and the same for Jaden Nunn. And I'm sure some of the recent uh, recruits you do wonder about the status of a Christian Fermin or a Fats Billups, who came here this year. We've already had Josh Banks transfer. You hope that a guy like Nick Kern, who is a player who is such a talent that you could arguably build around him, if not next year, then the year after that, you hope he sticks around. And what you hope is that Ryan Odom can sell himself to them and they'll want to be here. But we don't know. We can hope. We can wish. We have no idea. None whatsoever. So that's, that's that particular issue, and it's a tough one. But I have to say... I feel very good about Ryan Odom coming here and being successful. The ties of the region are well known. I didn't know he was a Hampton Sydney alum, but of course, when when UMBC upset UVA, what did we see on the TV? Pictures of Ryan Odom as a ball boy at the University of Virginia when his dad, Dave Odom, was an assistant to Terry Holland. And of course, being the son of Dave Odom, very successful head coach at Wake Forest. Ryan Odom has been in the basketball business pretty much his whole life. So we are getting a coach that's a young coach in some respects, but he's, but he's a coach that, that pretty much knows every bit of the ins and the outs of the game because of the fact that he's Dave Odom's son. You're talking about a coach that's taken two team, different teams in the NCAA tournament and in Division One. He is, let's see here, let's do the math on this. He is 121 and 85, and he's 71 and 43 in conference play. That's his Division I record because he did have a year at Division II Lenore Rhine as well. So that's pretty darn good. That's UMBC and Utah State. I did not count his time as an interim coach at Charlotte because uh, he did have 19 games at Charlotte. He was 8 and 11 there, 7 and 11 in the conference. But that's a pretty, pretty good. Pretty stout record in six seasons for uh, for Ryan Odom. So that's that's where we're at there. It's amazing how quickly this job got filled. Again, as we detail earlier, barely four hours between the goodbye to Mike Rhodes and the hello to Ryan Odom. Now let's talk about some of one of the other big issues that's been that's been discussed at least in our fan group and maybe amongst you VCU fans out there in podcast land. Anybody else listening? There's been a lot of frustration with the Atlantic 10 this year because of how down it was 
And, of course, we've lost another coach, so people are sick and tired of VCU being a stepping stone, and we got to get out of this A-10, or we're only going to be a stepping stone. we got to get to the Big East. Now, I will agree. I would love to see VCU in the Big East. I won't lie. Being in the same league as Connecticut, Georgetown, St. John's, Marquette, you know, getting to play at the Garden, getting to play at the at the Capital at the at Capital One Arena, you know, getting getting to be in the Garden for the Big East tournament. Oh, all of those things would be fantastic. Being the same same league as Shaka, smart. I would love that. Having teams like that coming to Siegel Center every year, I'd love that. But let's understand a couple of things. Number one, the talk has always been. That any any time that it's been raised about VCU going to the Big East, that Georgetown would do everything in their power to block it. The second thing is, with the exception of Connecticut, who was there at the beginning and is kind of grandfathered in, the Big East as it is now, you got to be one of two things. You either got to be a Catholic school or a private school or both. And we're not either of those things. We are a public commuter school with a massive enrollment. So we don't fit the Big East profile as it is now which is unfortunate because I think it would be great. And I would love to do it. Now, everybody's down on the Atlantic 10, but if anything shows you anything about this hire that you should take from this hire, it's this. Ryan Odom's leaving the Mountain West, which the last several years has been really good. They've been getting multiple bids to the tournament, and this year they finally had the big success with Utah, with uh, San Diego State getting to the Final Four. But until this year, the Mountain West, which has been around since the late 90s, early 2000s, so we're either at 25 years or close to it, Mountain West never had a team in the Final Eight. Never. Never had a team in the Final Eight until this year when San Diego State did it and ultimately got to the Final Four. And look, we've had Dayton in the Final Eight under Archie Miller, LaSalle in the Sweet 16. If you go back a long way, St. Joe's in the Final Eight when they had Jameer Nelson. You know, this conference is still one of the best basketball conferences to be in, especially one that doesn't have football. And let's remember this, because another idea that I've seen floated is, you know, the A-10 doing some kind of a deal and merging with the American Athletic Conference. And I just want to remind folks that we all love being in the Colonial. But when the Colonial got football, basketball, and thusly the interests of VCU took a backseat. And the basketball conference as a whole suffered, and the quality of the conference suffered. And you you go back you go back to when William and Mary barely almost made the tournament as an at large and barely missed. That's because there were schools that were in this conference for football that were no good in basketball and dragged it down. And that's why we left. We were a basketball school with no football, and our concerns and our priorities were never going to be the CAA's priorities anymore. And that's why we went to the A-10. And let's face it, much as we love the Colonial because we were in with all our local rivals and state rivals, all of them have left the Colonial except William and Mary. They're all gone. ODU and JMU are in the Sun Belt because they have football. George Mason and Richmond are in the A-10 with us. Richmond has football, but they're in the FCS. George Mason doesn't have football. So you see... I know the A-10 is down, has been down. We got a lot of new coaches in the A-10, good coaches. Frank Martin, Archie Miller, Fran Dumphy. We've got teams that are improving. We don't have a lot of coach turnover. 
we're only one of two openings here at VCU, and our opening was filled in four hours. So the only team in the A-10 that's looking for somebody is George Mason right now because Cam English went off to Providence. Give these new coaches a chance for this conference to bounce back. Yes, there's been a lot of upheaval. There's so many questions at LaSalle, at George Mason, at Dayton, all the upheaval in the transfer portal. And let's remember this too. We may lose some of these great players we've got, but the transfer portal not only taketh away, but it giveth to. And you can bet that Ryan Odom, having made this switch before, has got a plan in place if, God forbid, our great players leave, like Ace Ball and Jalen Deloach, Jameer Watkins, Jaden Nunn, or, God forbid, even Nick Kern. I think he's got a plan in place for that. And let's remember something. It was pretty traumatic when Will Wade left, and we lost a lot of talent. And that first year was tough, but Mike Rhodes did get us up and running right right away. And in the second year, we were really, really good. There's no reason why that can't happen again. Hopefully, we're not going to have to go through another first year like what we had with Mike Rhodes. It wasn't his fault. And we can be back back up there um, in and amongst it in the top of the A-10. But I do take heart. I do believe that we've gotten a really good coach in here. And I do believe that VCU, if they're going to be down, it's not going to be for long. But I don't think they're going to be down. I think this guy has had basketball in his blood, just like Coach Rhodes has had. He's grown up in the business. And I think he's an outstanding coach. And again, he's, he's, there's only two coaches alive that have, been, that have coached a 16 seed to beat a one. And one of them is Tobin Anderson, who's off to Iona to follow Rick Patino. And the other is this guy that we just hired. That's not too bad. And remember, as we close, listen to what Mike Rhodes says here. And don't forget that that is very true what he said and that VCU is going to be all right. Thank you all for listening out there in podcast land. Be part of the good and bad and the ugly when you get a chance. And remember what Coach Rhodes says right here. This is a dream come true to me and my family to be the head coach at VCU. But this program is not about the coach in front of you. It's about those players right there.